that you were an inspiration to me yesterday. Where'd he go? He left, too. Oh, man. He missed his big moment. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you're an inspiration, Dale, with the, uh, the joke last night. You know, I mean, I was just like, surely I can do worse than that. I mean, better than that. And so... All right, so what is the best possible holiday present? You may say family or whatever. But no, it's a broken drum. You just can't beat it. Yeah, right? Hey, did you hear that Walmart is giving away dead batteries for the holiday? It is. It's true. They're free of charge. Get it? Dead battery, free of charge. And why didn't Rudolph get a good report? A report card. Because he went down in history. This one, you guys, I know you guys, some of you know this one, but how much did Santa pay for his sleigh? What do you think, Kyler? Nothing. It was on the house. Oh, man. All right. So did you hear about the man who stole an advent calendar? He got 25 days. And finally, the creme de la creme. What did one snowman say to the other? Is it just me or do you smell carrots? I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, normally we associate a new year, the new year with a new beginning, right? And it's natural to do so, right? I have a new, uh, new year, a new beginning. And at the same time, we probably also associate Christmas kind of as the winding down of the year, as kind of the, 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 the end of one year and into the new year. Um, and we always see in December... The articles on the year in review, right? The big stories of the year, the big movies of the year, the movies that flopped during the year, the financial stories. We had this, you know, inflation or the market or whatever. Um, National Geographic does science stories of the year, the big finds in science. There's also like religious stories of the year, sports stories of the year. You can, you can see it all. And really, in a sense, don't we do the same thing with Advent? It was kind of a review of what Jesus has done for us and what is coming meant for us. We look at it uh, over and, uh, and, and see what all he did and remember that. But interestingly enough, on the Christian calendar, this time of year is actually the beginning of the year. And it makes sense when you look at it through the eyes of the church that the year would begin with the birth, the celebration of the birth of our Savior. And so the, the Christian church calendar starts with the Advent season. So this time of year then is really a time of beginning and a time of ending, or a time of ending and a time of beginning, however you want to look at it. And it's really appropriate for us because today, as of today, 
We're going to close out our long travel through the book of Genesis and begin our walk through the Gospel of Luke. Now, I don't know how long we've been in Genesis. It's going to be like retiring an old friend, really. I mean, I think we've been in it for three years or whatever. But it's been a, a, a wonderful time. I, I've really enjoyed our time in, in Genesis. And we look at today, we close out today, we looked at the death of Joseph. And so he had been in Egypt all this time. And we learned about Joseph that he was a godly man, a man who endured great hardship with great faith. He was a man who truly lived out his faith in the one true God in circumstances that were very difficult. You got to imagine that in Egypt, besides Joseph and perhaps we think his immediate family, we believe that Joseph was a man of God enough to where he was one of the few examples in Scripture where as a Hebrew, he went to uh, another person's land and he, and he was one that wasn't influenced by their local religions or whatever. In fact, most people think that when he was given an Egyptian young lady as a wife, one of the requirements for her was that she would convert to his faith and his sons were raised in his faith. And that's not an easy thing to do because they probably literally were the only ones of that faith and then in that entire country. And yet Joseph, he lived out his faith in the one true God. And it's, as we look here, as we close it out, it says, uh, it says, so Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. So not quite as long as Jacob, but still had pretty long life. And he saw his children's children to the three generations. And one of the things that he instructs his descendants to do is that he says, God will take you back to the land of your fathers. He will take you back to the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, when he does, he says, he will surely visit you and you shall carry my, up my bones from here. He said, take me back, bury me in the land of my fathers. And he got that and they did. And they did if, uh, if you read on in Exodus. But his final journey is going to have to wait a while. And so really, it is fitting for us to end Genesis in this time of year. And if we look back and remember a broad overview of Genesis, that the theme of Genesis was the fall of mankind, right? That sin of mankind, but it was also the promise of God to redeem mankind from his sin, from that sin. And we look back at the covenant that God first made through Abraham, that Abraham's descendants would be a mighty nation. They would be as numerous as the sand of the sea or the stars of the sky. And through them, the Redeemer, the Messiah would come. And as we leave off in Genesis, God had indeed set that promise in motion. 
by taking the Israelites to Egypt where they would grow and they would prosper. It was all part of God's plan. And Joseph, his last words, basically were telling him, God's going to come visit you. God will come back for you. God will not forget you. And God doesn't forget us. It may take a while. It may seem like he does at times. But remember, it was 400 years before Moses came and lead to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. 400 years of preparation. Then God would raise up Moses. And Moses would lead them back to the land that was left by Jacob and his sons in the great famine. That great famine, though, that reunited Joseph with his father and his brothers. And created that situation for the Israelites to stay in Egypt for 400 years, which is what they needed to become that mighty nation to go back and take the promised land. And after they were back in the promised land, they had 1,500 years of trials and triumphs, of hardships and heroes. And at the appointed time, the promised Messiah, the Redeemer, would come. And he would come as a baby, born in humble circumstance of a manger, born in fulfillment of all the prophecies and would begin that ultimate redemption of mankind from sin and turn them back into a right relationship with God through and only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is, of course, what we celebrate now and what we're celebrating today, the birth of our Savior. Now, as we trans, uh, transfer over to the New Testament here and we look at the Gospel of Luke. We will look in the Gospel of Luke not only the birth of our Savior, but His life, His death, His burial and resurrection as written by Luke. And I think what you're going to find is you're going to get a new respect for this man called Luke. He was a physician. Now back then, it wasn't necessarily one that did surgeries or whatever. A physician was a person back then who was one who cared for the sick. So Luke had a lot of compassion. Luke was a Gentile. And he was part of Paul's missionaries teams uh, through Asia Minor there. And as he states in the opening of his gospel narrative, Luke wanted to write an orderly account of the life of Jesus. He says, inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered to them, it seems good to me also having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. So Luke was there from close to the very beginning. And he was an eyewitness 
to many of the events, especially in Acts and in their travels. But he wanted to write this orderly account of the life of Jesus. And it seems like, according to the beginning of this, that there was a lot of accounts. There may have been a lot of... Um, there may have been a lot of folklore. There may have been a mixing of fact and folklore together. So Luke wanted to write for Theophilus, his patron, an orderly account. And it seems like Theophilus was a new Christian. So he says, I want to write this to you so you can grow in the Lord. An orderly account. After all, what else would Luke write? I mean, Luke, again, was a physician. He was a, a man of science, a man of order. It would make sense for him to write something after extensive research. It has been said of Luke that he has the mind of a scientist, the pen of a poet, and the heart of an artist. And this longest book in the New Testament, Luke gives the readers an upfront view of the events of Jesus' life. Now, according to Chuck Swindoll, Luke sets out to do two things in his narrative account. First, to provide a concrete, factual foundation for faith, not only for Theophilus, but for us, the church. Think about that. This is a factual account of the life of Christ. And he wants to introduce Jesus to, an, to the unbelievers, proving him to be the perfect God-man who came to save all of humanity, Jew and Gentile alike. And that was God's plan from the very beginning, to save humanity. Humanity without Christ is on course to destruction. And that is a course that people choose to follow. But Jesus came so that we may have a different choice, a different path to follow. And it is people's choice. God doesn't send anybody to hell. It's where we're going unless we have Christ. But through Jesus, we can choose a path, a path to life, a path to peace, a path to joy, a path to hope. And really, I pray that this is the path that you choose to follow in this new year. And I'm excited for our walk through the Gospel of Luke. I think it's going to be a, a fun time. We're going to learn a lot. And then we're going to transition right into that, go into Acts. And so we're this first, uh, however long it takes, we're going to look at, uh, we're going to get to know Luke really well because we're going to go through his, his works. And so really though, this new year, choose life, choose peace, choose joy, choose hope, choose love, and choose Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we again thank you that we can have love, hope, joy, and peace, eternal life, 
through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, it all started on this day that we celebrate today, coming as a baby, living a sinless life, allowing to be nailed to the cross, dying on the cross for our sins, and yet overcoming death through the resurrection and power of being God. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to always remember that. Father, that regardless of how dark circumstances seem, Lord, we have hope in you. And Father, I thank you and give you praise for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.